0: I'm going to do something quickly here to change it because I'm, I, I I don't have a lot of time tonight. So here's what I'm going to do, Chris, if you would help me. Leave those there because i want to change it. We've been going through the book of Ephesians. And one of the reasons why we chose Ephesians is because Ephesians 4 was a part of our rollout when we talked about it because it talks about sort of the structure of apostolic churches. So we're going to skip for time's sake because it's taken me longer than I thought. I'm going to have, if you could put take three and put it over there. If you want three, you're going to pass them out, just stick the whole stack over there. If you want three and you're wanting to go through it and continue, you can take one of those. However, we're going to skip three tonight, and we're going to go straight into four. So if I get a couple that would help Chris here, everyone would get one of these. I want to go ahead and skip to chapter four of Ephesians because this really gets into some meatier stuff that's more... Um, uh, uh, relevant to where we are, and so for time's sake tonight, I want to skip to that. So I'll get you just a moment there to get um, that, and again, if you want to continue to study on your own and you like the notes, we will provide to you um, the notes there uh, for part three one more thing while we're doing this to give you a little heads up i know a lot of you ask so i want to get the answer out there a lot of you have asked for the notes for unlocking the bible and so we worked out the kinks that we had and so beginning sunday you will receive the notes for each lesson on unlocking the bible the following Sunday, we will come back and provide with provide to you the notes for part one and two. This week, you'll only receive part three, but we will get you part one and two. We're not going to email them out. We want to get you tangible hard copies of the notes given to you. And then from here on out, we will be giving you copies of the notes um, so that you can have those for unlocking the Bible. So. We've done chapter 1 and chapter 2. Chapter 3 is there, so we're going to jump ahead and get into chapter 4. Yes, sir. Yes, and we're going to do a little different. We're going to give you the notes after we're done uh, the lesson, and here's why. When you receive the notes of Unlocking the Bible, and I will mention this to you on Sunday, you will see that it is a lot of material. More than I'm covering in an hour, trust me. Last week, I probably got to, oh, maybe 60%. Maybe 60, I would say. Sunday, the first week, I maybe got to 50. There is a massive amount of material in each, each lessons, And because we're doing it in an hour, I don't have time to go through it point by point. So what we're going to do, so it's not a distraction... If I give you the notes when we start, you're going to be trying to follow me, and I'm going to be skipping some stuff, and you're going to be like, where is he? I don't understand. And more likely, you're not going to be listening to me. You're just going to be reading your notes. So we're going to give it to you after you're done so that you can have the full material but also still pay attention. Praise God. So just a quick note on that. If you show up Sunday morning, and you're like, where's the notes? You promised the notes. Be patient. We will have the notes to you. Praise God. Just to recap. We've had this in every lesson, but just to recap, the Lord Jesus Christ has already defeated our enemy hands down. However, he has left it up to us to enforce every day in earth trenches the victory he has won in the heavenly. Say, it's up to me. Not up to God, it's up to me. It's not up to the church, it's up to me. Each believer has to take personal responsibility. So that's why we're studying the book of Ephesians as sort of a believer's boot camp. Number two, when people become Christians, one of the hardest things to do is to retrain them to continue to operate according, is not to continue, is not to continue to operate according to the world system. Well, some don't ever get there. That's probably. It took one night to get Israel out of Egypt, but 40 years to get Egypt out of them. Hallelujah. There is always a battle between the new man and the old man. Can somebody say amen to that? And that is why we need teaching like Paul gives us in Ephesians. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Ephesians 4 verse number 1 says this. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation Wherewith ye are called. For verse four, chapter four, verse one, God often calls you to do things you cannot do. Imagine that. He called Peter to walk on water and Lazarus to come out of the grave. He imparts his ability to us as we walk with him. Notice that God calls you to do what you can't do on your own, i.e., that's why we need grace. But God does not give grace to those who are stationary. Too many people pray this way. God, I need your grace. And they wait for the lightning bolt of grace to strike them. But God is waiting for you to start moving. And when you move, he'll provide you the power you need. I said this illustration before. I actually said, I think in a small group to the, to the millennials when we did it Sunday night. You can't steer a ship that's not underway you can spin the wheel all you want you can, you can set a course all you want but as long as that ship is tied up in, at the, in the dock and nothing is moving under its keel that ship cannot be, be steered in order to get direction it takes movement and I said this the other night, that's why faith, what does faith do? Faith raises my sail, because the wind of the Spirit is always blowing. God's always moving. But my faith gives God something to attach to, so that the, when the wind blows, that mass doesn't provide any kind of catch to the wind. That mass has stability, but that mass provides sails, so that sail goes up, has something the wind to catch. Why? So that then we can steer. So God often calls you to do things you cannot do. And if you think you can do them, he spends time proving you can't do them. So let me just save you some time. You can't do it. Even if you think you can, you're going to have to go the hard knock life because he's going to prove to you you can't do it. Walk worthy. Walk as though you already are at the place you're pursuing. Don't walk according to where you are. Faith calls those things that are not as though they were. Stop saying where you are and start professing where God's taken you. Start talking. We are are so good at talking, at speaking the negative, but we have a start problem speaking a positive because we have a start. Well, what if it doesn't happen? You know what? I'd rather fail in faith than be safe in doubt. Because I believe you can't fail in faith. Because I believe even when you speak faith and it doesn't happen, it's not a failure. Because God never wastes faith. Because even in your perceived failure of your faith, it's growing. It's growing. How many of you in here have believed for something that didn't come to pass? Let's be honest. Hey, I'm here. I'm raising my hand not as rhetorical. I believed in things. Not everything I believed for has happened. Sometimes I believe for things and the opposite happened. But you know what the bottom line is? It didn't mean my faith failed. Did Peter fail because he sank? No. He walked on water, baby. It may have been one step, but he walked on water. They were in the boat. They could, you know, everyone can critique in the boat when they're dry. Everyone can say, well, hi, he failed. Yes, but he's got one step in. So stay on the boat. I'd prefer, I'd rather fail in the water than be safe on the boat. Verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. With all lowliness, the higher the call, the lower you must be. The more gifted you are, the more humble you must be. Notice that God's economy, to go up, you must go down. God's way of doing things is... To ascend, you must first descend. That's the way God does it. So that's why when you're, about, when you're going through a trial or test or you start to feel like you're going down, that's actually in God's economy, you're way up. Because for God to go down, Joseph had to go into a pit. He had to go down before he could ascend to a throne. In God's way, down is up. If you ever fly a plane, pull back, which just feels like down on the stick, you actually go higher. In God's economy, sometimes the way down is the way up. Jesus had to fall onto a cross to be risen as a king. Sometimes you got to go down to get up. Verse number three. My my Bible keeps turning off here. (laughs) Verse three. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope according to your of hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all through all and the best part in you all. Fulfilling verse three, fulfilling our calling is inseparable, inseparably tied to our allegiance to one another. Unity costs something. Unity's gotta cost something. The spirit of unity. Unity is impossible apart from the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. How the Spirit is leading our church is far more important than my preferences. Oh boy. Does that fit with where we are? Where God's taking us is more important. As we said before, God's more worried about your character than your comfort. Verse 4 one body and one spirit. Coming into God's presence means that we have to come into each other's presence. Where, whether you understand or understand and like me or not, He's my God too. He's my God too. Verse 6, our oneness is a dynamic oneness. It takes God to hold it together. Let's keep going down to verse number 7. We'll continue reading. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, When he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he has ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into lower parts of the earth? There's that same principle right there in that verse 9. To ascend, he first had to descend. He that descended in the same also, that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all things. There it is again. So we're stopped there until we get to verse number 11. So let's go to verse number eight. The Old Testament saints were held captive by the grave, but not the New Testament saints. Verses nine and 10. Jesus went into hell itself. So we would never have to go there. Praise God for that. So let's get into this a few minutes because this was important the last time we, we, we talked about a lot of this in the fall. Verse number 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, some teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all, everybody say all, all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children. What does that mean? you got to grow up in God. Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, but speaking the truth in love, there's that love thing again, may grow up into him all, uh, un, grow up into him, into him all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. There's a translation we read this fall that says basically, a body that is healthy will grow. And I use the illustration, and I've used it several times since then. And we'll get back to the notes in a minute. I never had to go into my daughter's bedroom at night and to say to her, as I laid her down to... To to go to bed, I never went to her and said, "Grow in Jesus' name." I speak to you, child of mine. I speak growth. Never had to do that, but she grows. Why does she grow? Because a healthy body grows. Because you know what? You go to the doctor as a child. You take a baby to the doctor, and what do they do? They take measurements. They take the weight of the baby. They take the length of the baby. Why? Because there's some things they may not be able to see. But if the baby's not growing, something's wrong. So growth should happen. How many times have we talked about growth but never focused on the health of the body? And so we were trying to artificially grow an unhealthy body. So if we had growth, what was it? Temporary. You know what? Some guys, some some people have take take steroids. Steroids are great. Problem is, they only work when you're taking them. So you got this guy who walks around. He's got no neck. <laughs> he can't even put his arm down. He hadn't scratched his back in nine years. Can't even tie his shoe. But the moment he stops taking it, he's like. You know what? We've done some stuff in the past to artificially expand the body. But as soon as we stopped those things, the body shrunk back to its size, right? I'm not knocking these things, but let's be honest. We've done some things in the past. I could name them, but I don't need to name them because you know what I'm talking about. There may be times we may do certain things, but let's be honest. We did these things. We do them every once in a while now, and and they have their merit. But we'll have, next Sunday, if we say, you know what? Sunday after service, we won't have food. You wouldn't have, people show up. People show up. But we don't go around saying, our church is now such and such a size. Because those people didn't come for Jesus, they came because they had food at the end. That's okay, we'll do those things. They're good ministry opportunities. However, that's not how you sustain growth. Because that's not a, that's not taking care of the body. So we have to make the body healthy. And the, you are the body. So we have to make you spiritually healthy. And if you're spiritually healthy, the body will be healthy. And a healthy body will grow. It will grow. And if a body's not healthy, there's nothing we can do to make it grow. And a healthy body requires Word and spirit. A healthy body and the natural requires fluid and food. A spiritual body requires word and spirit. A balanced diet. So we're trying to bring a balanced diet so why we can become healthy so the body was healthy so the body will grow. So we may never down the road have to do an attendance emphasis drive that we're going to inflate our numbers so we can get movement because we're acknowledging without these inflations the body's not growing. Ooh, Jesus. I'm not knocking any of that. However, however, That's not how we're going to see the promises of God fulfilled. There's not enough goldfish in the world to see God fulfill the promises he's called us to fulfill. So what do we need to do? We've got to make the body healthy. So you know why we're doing all we're doing? Is we're trying to make the body healthy. Because i got to be honest, the body wasn't healthy. But by the way, we were coming to church. That doesn't mean a healthy body trying to make a healthy body we the question right now we tell we i've asked this question i've I've prayed about it and others have asked this question where are all the people we're doing all this why not because you know what we're trying to get healthy they're coming growth is going to happen if we get healthy we're going to see harvest we're going to see harvest we're going to see harvest there's no doubt in my mind we're going to see it it's not an if. It's not a maybe. It's only a matter of the when because we're going to see it. However, we have to be healthy because we cannot birth babies into an unhealthy body. So we're working on being healthy, and that's what Paul's saying. Here's what we're doing. We're working to be healthy. Five-fold leadership ministries in the church. Here's This is not necessarily a direct. It's just something to sort of think about to kind of help you understand the fivefold ministry don't quote these and say this is exactly the case but it's just something to sort of think about the thumb the apostle touches all ministries the prophet usually is someone who gives direction he's the pointer the index finger the finger of direction the middle finger is the evangelist the one that reaches the furthest the pastor is that ring finger. The relationship finger is in the covenant with the local church. That pastor is desiring for relationship. And finally, the little finger, the teacher, brings balance. Verse 12. This is not the threefold job description of the five-fold ministry. Church leadership has one job to perfect or mature the saints so that they can do the work of the ministry and edify or grow or build up the body. Hello, small groups. Hello, that's right there. That's small group definition one on one right there. That's small groups. The job of the leadership has one job, to perf- mature the, the saints, to mature the body. So why? The body will help the body grow. Do you know what? There's a pre- pastor, a very, very, very dear man. Some of you know this man. Some of you know, him. If, I, if I call it a man, he had a church about 40, 30 years, 25 years maybe. He had a church about 30 people. Never grew past that. Sincere, hardworking, love God. Well, guess what? Come to find out, one of the problems was he was everything and all things. To the church. Someone had a flat tire. They didn't call AAA. They called him. You know what he did? He'd go fix the tire. Somebody had a toilet that was clogged. They didn't get their plunger out. They called him. He came over and fixed the toilet. And guess what? The church never grew. Why? Because if the church grew, they'd lose that connection with the pastor. Some of you heard Bishop Wright talk about it that we had people leave Antioch years ago when we went from 25 to 50. Church too big. Ooh, church too big. Went from 50 to 100. Ooh, church too big. Can't do it. Why? Because their relationship was with the pastor and everything had to come from the pastor. Hello, small groups. Hello, small groups. We want to keep that intimacy of connection, but we also want to grow. So as we multiply, we can divide and continue that connection. So that people can have that intimacy of a small singular relationship. But also the body is not held back by the desire for that relationship. Verse 13, mature mature saints are unified with each other, their pastor, and the church. Verse 14, lie in wait to deceive. Paul is again wolf proofing the church where we talk about that in the first part of that. Verse 15, speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth takes boldness, and speaking in love takes kindness. You need both. There's a lot of people that speak with boldness, but they don't speak with kindness. And there's a lot of people that speak with kindness, they don't speak with boldness. We need both. We need both. Verse 16, to be fitly joined is not just being loosely joined. We are not independent, we are interdependent. What does that mean? I need you and you mean me. And we're a happy family. We need each other. We need each other. We need each other. We need those of you that have been around forever. And we need some of you that are just showing up here. We need all of you. Why? Because every person Every person, every person helps bring something to the body, to unity. We need them all the way to, I'm trying to think, it might be Mother Owens is our, is our longest standing Antioch here. Maybe, close to it. We need Mother Owens all the way down to Ron, just started coming a couple weeks ago. We need that. Why? Because it's balance. We need that. We need that. And we all need each other. Why do you think the devil tries so hard to try to get you disconnected from the body? Because he knows the importance. Almost done here. Verse seventeen. This is why this this it, this I say therefore, and testifying to you that ye hence, henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having understanding darkened from being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness in their heart. Who being past past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. To work all uncleanliness with greed. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him. And have been taught by him as the truth in Jesus. That ye put off. Concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's that mind thing again. And ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Verse 17. Well, I forgot to read the bold part there. I got too excited. Let's go back there again. Verse 16. Edifying, a building term, is basically meaning renovating. The human body is so smart that every time you introduce a foreign element, it will automatically resist it and compensate for it. In order to be loyal to that which you have been called to, you may have to be disloyal from that which you have been called from. Praise God. Verse 17, vanity of their mind. The human ego can't function in God's kingdom unless it has been tempered by the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, the word ignorance. They may be very intelligent, but they're ignorant in this area because of the dark. Because they are in the dark, they're not walking in the light. That doesn't talk about physical, but that talks about spiritual. Lasciviousness means unrestrained action with no boundaries. If we are not going to be like the world, we need to have a restrained action. Not this, this, this whole attitude of our current world today is nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, if that's the case, that's the definition by which we are just speaking of right there. Where do we leave off here? Make sure I don't overlap here. Up to verse 24. So, verse 22 and 24, there are things we got to put off, things we got to put on. I believe we all are working in that as God helps us and allows us as we walk in Him. Verse 23 what is between put off and put on? Renew your mind, change your attitude. What have we been talking about? God's been helping us with. Not to become emotional Christians, but become transformational Christians. To not be emotional believers. What's an emotional believer? An emotional believer that comes to, to, to gathers together to be emotionally affected. But a transformational believer is somebody that goes beyond emotion and wants God to help you change the way you think. Because emotion only lasts for the moment. But mindset can last you to eternity. Your new clothes may not be immediately as comfortable as your old ones, but keep putting them on by practicing until your new actions become a habit. But doing that feels like putting on, Pastor, exactly. There's some things you put on a new pair of a shirt, a new pair of jeans, a new outfit, it feels stiff. But the more you do it, the more comfortable. Some things God puts in our lives, it feels uncomfortable at first. It feels restraining, But the more that I do it, I'm not talking about physical clothes here. I'm talking about spiritual things in our lives that God pricks in our heart. The more I do those things, the more I'm comfortable and the more I begin to build up spiritual habits. We're so afraid of becoming lived, driven by our flesh that we, we we shy away from some very practical things. For instance, we're so afraid of walking in our flesh that we don't realize there are some spiritual disciplines we have to have. To be be spiritually disciplined does not mean you're being fleshly because you can't have those spiritual disciplines without God. But that doesn't mean that we can just be so lost in the spirit that we have no discipline in our life. This is not being a hypocrite. It is retraining yourself to walk With God and restraining your old self from walking in sin. What does this mean? That means as I walk in God, my new man begins to create a nature and a place and a way of doing things that's contrary to my old man. And you know what? That old man doesn't die easy, does it? But I've got to make a choice to allow God to help me retrain myself to walk. According, I've talked about this in, in walking in through, as, we, as some of you have gone through the path of healing. Through, your, through healing of hurt and shame and things of the past. When you get healed, your inner man is healed, but that old habits are still there. And if you don't allow God to change some of those habits, you will have a healing, but walk as if you haven't been healed. That's sort of that whole thing I've used before. If my arm was damaged and my arm was broken and all my life I've down with pain in my arm, there would be a point in time where I would adjust my whole entire lifestyle to keep this arm protected. Because I wouldn't want you to hurt it, so I'm going to use and do things according to the pain that I have to keep you from that pain. But God comes along and says, you're healed. Woo, praise God. But I have lived. 30 years in a habit of living like this. So even though I'm healed, my reaction still acts like I'm not healed. So I've got to retrain myself to be able to say it's okay, that, that arm's healed. That's why sometimes you can have a healing instantly, but the effects of that healing take a while before you begin to see it. Why? It's just like when you come to God. Immediately, you're filled with the Spirit. But there's some things that take a while for it to change, doesn't it? Does that mean you didn't get the Holy Ghost? No. But the Holy Ghost works in our lives. It's a step-by-step process. And there's some things in all of us that probably are still holding on. Hallelujah. Come on, you know it's true. There's some things, there's some remnants every once in a while. You're like, my God, I haven't thought about that in years. I mean, all I got to do is go, go through the mall and hear a song from back in the day. Isn't that right? All of a sudden, that song brings back, oh, boy, I remember that night. <laughs> yeah, praise the Lord. From what, what, well, from what I can remember of that night, it's fuzzy. <laughs> praise God. We better stop there. We're going to get us all in trouble. Let's finish it up real quickly. Verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. Now Paul's talking about some practical things. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole, stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which he is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no... Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, which that word edifying means building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed upon, was sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as... F- Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. What are the four things we put off? Lying. Be honest in word and spirit. What does that mean? Not just in what we say, but the impression we give. Means don't just walk the walk. Talk the talk, but walk the walk. You know what that means a lot of ways? That's lifestyle evangelism. That's lifestyle evangelism, that you can talk. Come on, let's be honest. We've all known him, and we've come in contact with him. You get people out there, and all they want to do is talk about God. But you watch them, and you're like, you're talking it, and I don't see it. I mean, you got them on your job. Everybody has those super Christians on your job. Boy, they don't they don't ever stop talking about God. But you look at their lifestyle. You're like, wait a minute. You talk about God, but you're the biggest cheap cheater liar partier in this whole job it don't add up anger deal with your feeling feelings immediately and biblically doesn't say you don't have feelings it's how you deal with the feelings it's not wrong to have feelings it's wrong with what you do with them some of you walk around, oh, God, oh, God, I had a lustful thought. I'm... No, it's not the thought that's the problem. It's what you do with the thought that's the problem. Oh, God, I had anger. How many of you pray, God, don't let me get angry again? It doesn't work, does it? It's not the anger that's the problem. It's what you do with the anger. Stealing, get a job. Allah. <laughs> that's my favorite of the night. Get a job and be generous with when you have one. Praise God. That's the most spiritual thing we said all night. Get a job. Like a little fellow several years ago, those of you that were there, you'll know who I was talking about, but I'm not going to mention his name, but you would know him. Several years ago, Brother Shelton did a, uh, Shelton, Brother Shelton did a prayer meeting, and he, got, he asked people to get up and I believe it was profess your faith. and People were professing their faith. And there was one individual there. He hadn't had a job in a while. Couldn't he put gas in his tank. Sad. And he said, he got up and said, I want to profess something. I don't think Brother Shelton knew what was about to happen. And he said, God asked me something the other day. God said, called him by his name. When are you going to start living like you're blessed? And I said to God, God, how can I be blessed I got no money and God said I want you to start acting like you're blessed before you are blessed and he said God how am I supposed to live like I'm blessed and he said God spoke to me credit cards (laughs) truth truth whoa whoa no the truth is go get a job my brother and then you'll be blessed. Credit cards ain't going to bless you. Some of you knew were there. Some of you might remember it being there. It was there, Brother Shelton. If I named the name, you would know who this gentleman was. I guess he's still spinning. But he said, Lord, how am I supposed to do that? He said, God told me credit cards. I want to know, is God a Visa, MasterCard, American Express? I need to know this all of the above. Praise God. I need to stop talking. We're running short on time. Corrupt talk. Not just filthy talk, but negative talk. Whoa, time out. I thought corrupt talk was just talking about telling vulgar things. Corrupt talk, if you read that that and the definition of that, corrupt is not just filthy. Corrupt is negative. Ooh. Because we all walk around. Well, I don't have a mouth. I don't have a filthy mouth. I haven't said a cursed word since 1984 when I got baptized in the name of Jesus. I stopped talking. Yeah, but you're one of the most negative, condescending people we know. Same, same, same coin, just a different side. You may not be bleeping, 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 bleeping. But you got all this junk come out of you. So you can walk around holy. This is being recorded. This is bad. You can walk around holy, but it's still corrupt. Because it's contrary to God. We're just getting derailed here quick, aren't we? 27. You can read through that. 29. Edifying. Minister grace. If you communicate, if your communication destroys unity or damages a brother and sister, it might be wrong. It might be right, but it's still wrong. If your communication destroys unity or damages a brother or sister, it may be right, but it's still wrong. You know what? You might have some complaints about what's going on, and your complaints may be right, but if you tell them to the, wrong, to the, to the person who can't help you, it's a right complaint, but it's wrong. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 30, grieve. To outrage or humiliate, i.e. a king deposed from from his throne by his own subjects, Jesus' throne is your heart. Six things that grieve the Holy Spirit. Woo! Praise God. This is going to have to get through these quick because if I stop on these, it could be bad. Bitterness. Motivated by unforgiveness. Wrath. Motivated by a desire for revenge. Anger. Motivated by a loss of power. Clamor. Motivated by discontent. Evil speaking. Motivated by jealousy. And malice. Motivated by hatred. Be kind. Not feel kind. Be kind. As God. When we begin to see others as God sees them, we will be tender towards them and forgive them even as... Forgive them when they are undeserving because he forgave me. Praise God.